0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: to Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback
2: for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the fighter with the PH. Third down and five.
0: At the Washington 22-yard line, Jim Mandich has come in, replacing Mara, coming at tight end, and 20, and Warfield put off the near side. The Dolphins haven't used any of their timeouts. Clock moving with 33 seconds. Greasy drops the throw. He sets up. He is firing in the corner. Mandich!
1: an effort by Marino, who fires! Touchdown! You know
2: what the Jets are thinking? He's going to take the ball
1: and throw it into the ground! But he didn't do it! They all stop! And good evening and welcome to another edition of Finch Rider Radio. My name is Matthew Canada, and I am joined tonight by Sutton. James McKinney's still on vacation. James, Radio Fiera, still away, busy with his personal life. So with me and Sutton, once again tonight, we will break down the Cowboys game. We will look ahead to the Falcons game on Thursday evening. We'll talk about the Mike County injury. We'll talk about moving roster cuts. We'll also be joined by Matt Kimmelrich of the Deep End Miami for some insider information. If you're on Twitter, please tweet us some questions. Hashtag Insider Radio. If you want to call into the show, you can call in at 1-347-326-9461. Again, thats two six nine four six one. And, of course, on the thefinsider.com, check out our live radio thread. Converse with us. We are monitoring it throughout the show. We will answer your questions by the end of the evening. So please do interact with us on any of those three platforms. My talk tonight to begin the show is about Ryan Tannehill. And I, earlier I tweeted today that Ryan Tannehill will be a surprise cup. And obviously, I wasn't serious about that. It was more in reference to Jordan Cameron. A, a user had asked me a question about who my surprise cut would be. And I mentioned Cameron, and they talked about salary cap, and I mentioned the trade, which would save the Dolphins $1 million. But a surprise is a surprise. You don't expect it to happen. But that's really not the topic right now. Ryan Tannehill plays well when he's pissed off. And I think uh, Chris Kaufman, F.T.K. Parrott, and also uh, Maddie Ice, Maddie Ice, on Twitter brought it up as well. Remember when he played against the Oakland Raiders years ago in London, and he was pissed off because Joel Philbin was about to bench him. And he came out and went off and ended up getting Dennis Allen fired against the Giants last week. He had a very poor game. Obviously it was not his fault. We went over that last week. He had eight yards. He was two for four. He had a very rough game. Plenty of talk about the dude this week. Uh, Is he the answer? Again, after one preseason game, a little ridiculous, right? But anyways, the talk was there. How is he picking up Jason's offense? Is he struggling with it? What's going on with him? Is he going to be the guy after the season? And then he came out against the Dallas Cowboys, and he absolutely lit it on fire. If you can picture the fire emojis in your phone, on your iPhone, that's what I'm going (laughs) right now with my fingers. I'm throwing the fire up in the air. 12 for 20, 162 yards, 8.1 yards uh, averaging as he threw it. Two touchdowns. It should have been three if Jordan Cameron caught that ball. It was a perfect pass. No interceptions. Sacked only one time. The dude had all freaking data thrown in the pocket pretty much while he was in the game. 119.2 quarterback rating. The dude absolutely killed it against the Cowboys. The rest of the game didn't go so well. But the fact is this. Why is Ryan Tannehill so freaking inconsistent? None of us can put our hands on it. I don't even think anybody in the Dolphins front office can put their hands on it. I mean, you come out against the Giants, and, and yes, there were issues with the offensive line, but it's not just just this season. This goes back to since he was a rookie. He would play lights out one week, absolutely bomb it the next week, play lights out two weeks in a row, bomb it two weeks in a row. It's very frustrating to watch that because you you start to wonder, does this guy – have it is he the one to lead us into the future but then you start looking at why he's playing so well and all has a similar theme it's because he was pissed off during the week leading up to the game and we've seen it plenty and plenty of time and this week was no different with all the criticism about him it is certainly something definitely to watch moving forward we're going to see how he comes out against the Falcons if he has, in fact, turned a corner with Gase's offense, if perhaps it's a miracle, and, yes, he does have all day to stand in the pocket, and now he can actually be an effective quarterback, or is it going to be something else where it's just continuing with this inconsistency? But we'll definitely see more on Thursday against the Falcons. Remember, Peyton Manning has been working with this guy. And I just mentioned Hill put on a show. What were your thoughts with him from the last game against the Giants? Well,
2: you already mentioned the word that I always come back to with him. It's consistency. I'm not that surprised that he had a great game against the Dallas Cowboys defense. I mean, um, he's shredded defenses before us. is not um, an uncommon thing, but what we always come back to as Dolphins fans is why can't we get this product consistently? In um, that particular game, even four of the eight, incompletions that he had were, were catchable passes. So if you just give him two of the four, then you're looking at 14 out of 20. So that's a 70% completion rate. We're looking at about a buck 75 and two touchdowns in the first half. That's, that's pretty solid. And what I want to see him and kind of what I think you were alluding to with Tannehill is he's always been even in press conferences Um, during the game has always been pretty stoic and um, emotionless and kind of robotic. And what I'm hoping is that his newfound freedoms at the line of scrimmage are going to kind of open him up in terms of uh, how he reads a defense before going into a play. And hopefully that freedom kind of brings him out of his shell, so to speak. I feel like he's been in a shell and I'm hoping he can break out and do this consistently. That's what we all want. We want to be able to see this consistent product going forward. I liked having the nice blend of runs and passes there. He did a, a few of those things, and he looked poised in the pocket, and he looked good. I mean, I mean, you already said that MC Money, he looked good. And I hope that uh, uh, having this freedom at the line of scrimmage again place of that chip on his shoulder that maybe he feels that he was restricted um, during his development. And hopefully he takes this newfound freedom and, and learns how to step on somebody's throat. And let me elaborate just a little bit. Um, working with Tate Manning, he was one of the masters, looking at a defense and, and seeing where the weakness was and how to attack that at the best possible way. And what I'm hoping is that Ryan Tannehill can identify a mismatch. Maybe it's somebody that just got hobbled up uh, on the play before. You know, Maybe he got rolled up on he's just kind of limping around a little bit. I want him to be able to see a detail like that, manipulate the line of scrimmage to get a one-on-one matchup against that defender, and take advantage of it. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for him to to start being aggressive at the line of scrimmage um, and to show defenses like, look, if uh, you show me some vanilla and stuff, I'm going to shred you. You better, better bring your a game because um, I have, I have some things in my arsenal that I haven't had before. And uh, I, I just hope it works out in our benefit, but, We'll, we'll, we'll see a lot more going into next
1: week uh, gauging the consistency of that. No, you're absolutely right. And you touched on the emotion of, of Tannehill. And you saw him coming off the sideline, coming off the field. He was talking to, us, to his guys, and we would see in the past where Tannehill had, had kind of come off the field and went to his own little corner, sat on a knee, and kind of did his own thing. It is good to see him being the leader on the offensive side of the ball. Adam Gase is directly responsible for that. Adam Gase has enabled Ryan Tannehill Adam Gase has allowed Ryan Tannehill to run meetings. Adam Gase has allowed Ryan Tannehill to talk to his receivers in the wide receiver room. Adam Gase has allowed Ryan Tannehill to have a voice. Adam Gase has allowed Ryan Tannehill to have confidence that his head coach has space in him Adam Gase has allowed Ryan Tannehill to be the quarterback that Ryan Tannehill has always wanted to be coming out of Texas A&M. Adam Gase has allowed Ryan Tannehill to audible at the line of scrimmage we saw against the Cowboys. Adam Gase is allowing Ryan Tannehill to finally take that next step and just stop being babies like a little you-know-what, all coming back to Adam Gase, whether you like Ryan Tannehill or not. There is no denying that even last week when he didn't play well, it was a different Ryan Tannehill. We saw it. And I think we're going to continue to see it. Will he get back to the, to the past where he becomes that quiet person? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Because if you're not a natural warm leader, it's very, very hard to coach it and teach it. If you are a natural leader, but have somehow been constrained in what you say and what you do, then it's easy for that person to come out of their shell as long as they know the people behind them have faith. We all have, may have been in situations where we don't have the faith of the person above us, of our superior. And we know we kind of go into a little hole. And that just might be what is happening to Ryan Tannehill. But Ryan Tannehill isn't being helped out by every player on a team. Jordan Cameron, Dion Sims, they are not doing anything special right now. They are just another guy. In other words, they're a jag. Jordan Cameron has dropped passes all over the place. Deion Sims is dropping passes all over the place. Thomas Duarte, the rookie draft pick, who was hardly ever blocked in college, has now been moved to a blocking tight end and is struggling. Listen, the tight ends are an important part of Adam Gase's offense. It's one of the reasons why they kept Jordan Cameron at his high salary. And now he's not producing. Ryan Sandhill threw a pass directly at Jordan Cameron's hands in the end zone against the Dallas Cowboys. That ball fell right off Jordan Cameron's hand. People wonder why Tannehill doesn't look at Jordan Cameron. Perhaps that this is a common occurrence in practice where Cameron drops the football. Perhaps Jordan Cameron can't be trusted with Tannehill throwing him the ball. That's why Tannehill always goes to Jarvis Landry because Tannehill has faith in Jarvis Landry. But here's where it gets a little more interesting. He moved away from Landry against the Cowboys and his new favorite target... None other than Kenny Stills. And Kenny Stills absolutely lit that up against the Cowboys. Okay? He had three receptions, 71 yards on three receptions, 23.7 yards per reception, two touchdowns along at 55, and guess what? Four targets, three receptions. Kenny Stills, tell me where Stills came from.
2: Oh, my gosh. That was a blessing in disguise, wasn't it? We've, I think, been a little worried about him. Uh, going into the season, wondering how that whole uh, Kenny Stills Leonte Carew competition was going to shake out, but man, that uh, just seeing that deep play that that kind of relieved a little bit of my tension uh, after that first game and seeing how the offense is struggling uh, to see Stills get that 55-yard pass. And man, if uh, we could have timed it up just a split second earlier, I think he could have been able to turn the turn it up field and take it into the house, but, um, a great play nonetheless. And, you know, obviously had the two touchdowns in the red zone and he actually had a third target in the red zone that was pretty well defended, but Tannehill's looking his way in the red zone. So you gotta like, um, the confidence that Tannehill has and stills ability to get separation, um, in the red zone. Cause I think that was one thing we didn't really expect from Kenny Stills going forward. I think, uh, most of us would have expected him to be, uh, you know, between the 20-yard line and the 20-yard line kind of guy, maybe get a, a splash big play. Um, but he was targeted in the Reds, and so you got you to gotta like that going into uh, uh, the third preseason game. But going back to Jordan Cameron, like you said, MC Money, um, little, not, not real sure about what to expect with the entire tight end group, to be honest with you. And we don't have any tight end going into contract next year because think about the volatility of that group. Um, it could be a complete roster turnover or somebody, you know, seizes an opportunity and shows that they need to stay. Um, Jordan Cameron, I, last year, I think we can all agree that he was in line blocking too much and it's definitely not in his wheelhouse. And obviously you need to, pose some kind of dual threat but we need to get Cameron out where his strengths are we need to get him out in space hopefully get him up the seam but uh I I got a little excited because the first play on offense was a pass to Jordan Cameron and then mm, only one target after that so um I was a little disappointed in that and I'm hoping that Deion Sims uh because of his ability to block a little bit better than Jordan Cameron can show a little bit in the receiving game and make this a true competition. I just want the best tight end out there. I don't care what the contract is or anything like that. Let's just, let's just get the best tight end out there. Um, it would be ideal. And I know Daryl Dunphy uh, lays this concept uh, on um, the quite a bit, and that's getting into more too tight-end formation. So it would be nice to have some personnel to be able to do that. That would open up a lot of versatility for us. What do you think, MC Money? Oh, MC Money is taking some calls right now. We are slammed right now with live callers. Um, Let's go ahead and transition into the offensive line. We had mentioned that Jordan Cameron um, was kind of weak at blocking, and because of the uh, deficit to offensive line last year, we were having to resort to holding in a tight end that's not effective at blocking just to try to neutralize what was going on um, in the trenches there. So that was a little disappointing, obviously. Um, We've seen Laramie Consul and Jermon Bushrod, 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 Bushrod. I'm going to talk about Bushrod. And I know you guys all love me talking about Bushrod. And uh, he was a little shaky in that second game, but I think he's starting to get the hang of it. Mind you, he was a left tackle, um, transitioning to right guard this late Listen in the stage Bush of his Rod. career. I'm
1: going to jump in real quick on Bushrod. Remember what I Absolutely. said on the last week's episode that uh, – Pushrod should be the starting right guard. Yeah, and, and guess what happened against the Cowboys? You got your wish. He was a starting right guard. I mean, do you think Adam Gates listens to our show and, and kind of takes our advice here? Um, I if he's uh, any
2: sort of intelligence, he would mine over the just nuggets of wisdom we're dropping I, on a regular basis. I mean, I
1: think, it's, I think it's quite possible. Adam, if you're listening, we appreciate you taking our advice. We will be talking a little more about what you can do against the Falcons, so please do listen. Son, I'm going to hold you up here. I know you were talking about Jordan Cameron. I was taking some calls, screening some calls, and we were talking about the yep. tight ends, and that kind of transitions us into this caller that's on hold right now. But I'm going to bring in Max Himmelrich, um, first from the Deep End Miami. Uh, Max, welcome to the FinSider Radio. Uh, Max, the deependmiami.com. Uh, here to talk to us tonight about some insider stuff. Max, welcome. How's it going? It's going fantastic. So, Max, here's what we're going to do. I have a caller on hold right now. He wants to talk about the draft for next year. I mean, the dude's already tanking this season, giving up. He's just throwing in the towel. Uh, Dolphins fans for life. That name he gave us. I'm going to bring him on, um, and I'm going to let you answer this question before we get into your segment. Okay?
0: Okay. Sounds good.
1: All right. Dolphins man for right. life. You are on the air. Please don't be drunk. Um, ask us your question.
2: <laughs> no, please be not drunk. drunk. Not <laughs> drunk. Not throwing in the towel. In are,
1: the you season, but... are you stones? Are stones? Oh no. Uh uh-uh. uh. All right. Drugs don't drink. Good man. But my question is not
2: necessarily throwing in the towel in the season, but a lot of people are saying we need to go linebacker, cornerback things like that in the draft and my question is shouldn't we think about going defensive end? I mean the pass rushes we have right
0: now are all
2: thirties. You know
0: the I mean like the the defensive line is a problem, but I mean you're gonna be able to throw oh. a throw a dart at a board and the Dolphins are gonna need it. I mean the only position that the Dolphins will be fine at on, the deep, on defense next season will be defensive tackle where they have Stu and hopefully Jordan, hopefully Jordan Phillips develops and then you have Earl Mitchell possibly. That's the only position where they won't necessarily need to get better. They're going to need to get better at defensive end. They're going to need to get better at all three linebacker spots. They're going to need to get better at safety opposite Rashad Jones. They're going to probably need three new cornerbacks. It's, it's a two-year rebuild on defense. This year, the defense will not be competitive. It won't, you just won't be able to compete with the defense this year. Next season, you'll be able to compete with the defense. You know, the defense will have good – there'll be improvement. And then hopefully, by 2018, the defense is at a point where it's good. And the, the balancing act is how do you keep the offense good for that long? You know, how do you keep the personnel there? Based on the way the NFL is structured with w- rookie wage scale contracts, you've got to try as long as you can to keep these young guys and get good around them that's what Seattle did when they won the Super Bowl they had all these guys on their rookie deals specifically Russell Wilson for 900 some thousand and that's how you win Super Bowls and that's how you make a difference now you know the dolphins have a lot of guys specifically when you look at Miami right now the thing that jumps out at you is the receiving core and how cheap it is you have Devonte Parker and Kenny Stills on rookie Devonte Parker Kenny Stills and Jarvis Landry all on rookie deals I mean, that's, that's value. And then you look at the offensive line, you've got Laramie Tunsil on a rookie deal. You're going to have Brandon Albert walking after next season. And then it's how, how do you get youth there? You've still got Jawan Juan James on his rookie deal, but not for long. And he's not exactly showing himself to be a difference maker. So it's really going to be next off season about who helps you get better the fastest, who's an instant impact guy. You know, they're not going to be able to take developmental players. The offense, the offense is in good shape. They just really need to make sure that the defense gets itself
1: squared away, and it's going to take two years. Be- very good points, Max. Uh, Dolphins fan for life, thank you for calling. We certainly appreciate it. Please give us a call next week. Um, it, is, it is very early to be talking about the draft, but you're absolutely right. With a focus on offense this year, a focus on defense next year, it seems that's the way it's going to go. But thank you for taking that call for us. We wanted to get you in on the show. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us? I mean, they're coming off a thrashing against the Dallas Cowboys, Uh, 41-14, but we know that that's mainly backups after after beating the Giants the week before. Um, Should the Dolphins be concerned, we saw Ryan Tannehill absolutely light it up against the Cowboys. We saw Matt Moore get concussed. We saw Kenny Stills go off. We saw the tight ends just freaking fall apart. Um, General thoughts right now coming out of Miami. My my
0: thought watching the team right now is it's kind of like if you have – if someone tells you something's going to be awful, you know, if they tell you it's going to be bad, they tell you it's going to be bad, you think you're mentally prepared for it until you see it. You know, it's almost like going to the doctor when you're a kid and getting a shot. You know, you go in, you're thinking like, oh, it's not going to be that that bad. Then when you see the needle, that's when it's tough. You know, that's what it's like right now. We all – all off-season, we said, you know – Secondary is going to be bad. Linebackers are hopefully average. Defensive line hopefully borders on good. Well, the defensive line borders on average. The linebackers are well below average. And I don't even know what secondary we're watching. I mean, the team needs needs something because this is a defense that the way you're looking at it now, like the Cowboys are the worst possible team for the Dolphins to play against right now. They're strong at the line of scrimmage. They use exotic blitz packages from Rod Marinelli. They have, they have everything going for them to beat a team like the Dolphins. The Falcons will be a much more even match.
1: But the problem
0: is, if you're Miami, you can't say, oh, it was just Dallas, because you go to Seattle week one. Week four, you have the Bengals. You have the Steelers. All these are physical football teams. The Steelers are a little bit less so now. The Titans are building a physical team. On offense, you look at what Dallas did. Do you really want DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry facing this defense? I mean, the Dolphins are going to get – the Dolphins could get decimated on defense this season. And the offense could rank in the top ten, and they could still go six and ten. I mean, it's going to be a weird, weird season. (laughs) It always is, Max. You know that. You've been
2: a Dolphins fan for a little bit. It's it's
0: (laughs) always because, like, Dolphins fans have grown accustomed to, like, perfect mediocrity. Like, or, like, just, just a smidge below it. But right. now, like, weird because you're like, okay, one side of the ball is working, and what's going on on the other?
1: And, like, yeah. it's just so
0: – like, remember when the Dolphins' defense had, you know, Vontae Davis and Sean Smith and Randy Starks and Paul Soliae and they were, like, allowing 17 points a game but still going
1: 7-9?
0: Like, yep. that's, like, we're going to reverse things this season. That's, it's going to be the opposite of those years. I I can see that.
2: I mean, we're just so – we've been so inconsistent in so many different ways going through the years. I mean, even uh, if we have a distorted offense versus defense sort of thing, then within that we also have a distorted pass offense versus a run offense or a really distorted pass defense versus a run offense. Well, like
0: in the modern NFL, like if you can have a 65-35 split in production –
1: like that's like
0: not optimal, but you can get away with it. I mean, mm-hmm. especially with what Adam Gates does, you can get away. Like, I'm not worried about running back. I like it, the, the the biggest concern is Kenyon Drake's hamstring. But other than that, I mean like I'm not that. Speaking of about Kenyon Drake
1: back. speaking of Kenyon Drake Drake real quick, he just tweeted uh Yawn. That dude him and Paul have been Subtweeting left and right all day long today. It's actually kind of fun to watch. Well, I love that Kenyon like, <laughs> Drake just goes
0: at... Matt, do you know how to say anything other than bruh? Like, is there no, anything I, else in your <laughs> vocabulary?
1: <laughs> well, I run bruh like, when I don't have... Matt, mind, like, they caught... The like, because usually exactly, I would do the fire emojis. Right. I feel like Jake. Jake... Jake
0: and I like taught you like one or two words. Be like Matt, this is what all the hip kids are saying, and like in thirty years <laughs> you're still gonna be like your daughter. Your daughter is gonna be like, Dad, can I have some money? You're gonna be like, bruh bro. <laughs> But yeah, yeah Kenyan right. is. Yeah, Kenyan is a Kenyon is a funny dude. I got to I got to meet him at training camp. He's just like, you know, some of the players try to pretend like the media is not there, and I like the Kenyans got a little bit of attitude.
1: Yeah, I, I do like that. I mean, Chris McCain kind of had that a little bit last year with him uh, tweeting everyone and searching for his name. He has well, gotten Chris better McCain at that. No, Kenyon's
0: – I don't think Kenyon's like that. Chris McCain is taking on the little fish. Kenyon Drake is taking on – you know, not taking on, but, you know, he he talks smack on Omar, and I guess he's got a little thing going with Mondo now. But, like, <laughs> it it is – Like, with him, like, that's how you want it to be, because he's not taking shots at, like, like what Chris McCain does is a little over the top to me. Like, I understand why he does it, because it's easy for us to sit here and say, like, oh, it's a little ridiculous that he's searching his name on Twitter and, like, responding to people about his performance. But, like, if your job was scrutinized by hundreds of thousands of people online, you'd probably answer a tweet on occasion, too. But Oh, yeah, absolutely. But like a guy like well I mean like we do like when we write an article and someone tells us it's crap we'll usually retort and <laughs> it's um it happens to me more often than most because most of it is crap but it's very it's very interesting to see the media dynamic especially in Miami because as we all know the group of beat writers is just like like the stooges sometimes like Mondo. Mondo's good at what he does. He's obviously like he's a little bit like a Debbie Downer. You have Omar, who just is, I'm not even going to go into, and then you have like a bunch of other guys. Like Beasley's good. I really liked Abramson, but now Abramson has moved on to politics. And Mika yeah. Grimes is pretty good, wouldn't you agree? What? What was that? I th- I, I, I said Mika Grimes is
2: pretty good, wouldn't you agree?
0: Oh my god.
2: Horse yeah, shit. she's
0: a journalist. She's a journalist. <laughs> she's a journalist. Remember, she's a journalist. But um, hey, Max, Max, I oh, have Barry a quick Jackson, question for. I can't can't forget Barry. Got to show Barry love. Barry oh, definitely.
2: Max, I have a quick question for you, and you've already kind of alluded to it, talking about Ken and Drake. But you know, I, I think in order for this offense to go forward, I think we feel at least mildly comfortable with the passing game. But how do you see the running game developing? Because we're used to a one-dimensionality the last couple of years, and Miami Dolphins land with a, with a play calling. So how do you see the running game hopefully developing into a, a quasi-balanced attack?
0: Well, the way the Dolphins running game is probably going to be utilized. And I really like, we finally saw with Arian Foster in, he was subbed in on almost every third down against Dallas, which is is good. You know, that's how Arian Foster should be used. I've said all along, despite what people said about, oh, Arian Foster will be the starter, I still think Jay Ajayi plays first and second down for you, and then you sub in Foster on third, and that's how you keep him healthy. You only play him on one down. And he's useful enough on that one down that he's worth the money and that's the best way to preserve him. Kenyon Drake is an interesting case study. I'm always a big fan of players who, you know, as you guys know, as I'm not sure if all fans know this, you can't dress all 53 of your players on game day. There's a reduced number. I believe it's either 49 or 47 that you can – I think it's 47 – that you can dress for an actual game. And so when you're deciding, do I want a sixth wide receiver – or a, you know, like a third or fourth tight end or a fourth running back. Mm -hmm. Kenyon Drake is a great guy because at Alabama they played him at receiver a bit and he has good hands. So what you can actually do with Kenyon Drake is he becomes your sixth receiver and your fourth running back on game day. And those are the kinds of guys that you like to have. And the Dolphins have two because if they dress three tight ends on game day, you have Sims, Cameron, and then in theory Thomas Duarte. And Thomas Duarte, who I, I'm a UCLA student. I got a chance to watch his career there. He was a receiver at UCLA. He was just a big receiver. And, I mean, he's transitioning to tight end now. People don't realize he barely played tight end at UCLA. It's a new position for him. And we saw him struggle with blocking. He allowed that blocked punt against Dallas. But it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see the flexibility they use on the roster. I think Kenyon Drake is going to get more snaps than we think. But I think it's going to be an impact in the passing game. I think if Arian Foster gets hurt, Kenyon Drake can just step in and kind of try to assume that role. And Adam Gates, his approach more so than backfield by committee is go with the hot hand. You know, so backfield Yeah, by important distinction. Is, right, there's a distinction there. Because by committee, you're just splitting carries, hot hand. You just keep feeding the guy that's doing well. You saw it last year with Jeremy Langford. He was doing well and they just didn't even bother with, with Matt Forte for a little while.
1: Forte was hurt. Yeah. But even when The Fortet running back, back situation, like you said, Kenyon Drake is a very interesting study. And, again, we're joined by Max Himmelrich from the deep end, Uh Kenyon Drake, you know, obviously, like you kind of alluded to, hasn't played in preseason and, and really hasn't practiced much. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Dolphins handle that. They could stash him in IR with that to return. And they could, like a lot of NFL teams, just put him on IR for the season and use this year as a redshirt year. They don't expect him to get much playing time. Why? Um, yeah. We'll definitely see where we go with that. Max, before we let you go for the evening, and again, thank you for joining us. Do you have anything else that we should be looking forward to on Thursday's game? Anything that the Dolphins coaches are specifically looking for? We know the starters will play into the early part of the second half, but anything that we should be really keen in on?
0: Well, I just want to make one note. You know, we, I talked about this actually with, um, with Ian Wharton, who's a great follow on Twitter, if you guys, if you guys don't. Yeah. I talked about this with him earlier tonight. This year, really, the biggest thing this year is going to be evaluation. You know, let's see how these young guys play. What you just said about Kenyon Drake, that's the problem in Miami, that we stash these guys and we don't let them play. I want to know if Bobby McCain and Tony Lippett are going to be good players. I want to know if Kenyon yeah. Drake is going to be a good player. I want to see these guys so that we don't go into next season thinking that we can rely on them. I want to know who's reliable, who you think can grow. Like play Chris McCain this year and just get a get a Dan answer. Like figure out who the guy is. Play him at one position and see what he can do. This year the Dolphins need to do that, and Adam Gase does that. They're going to commit. They're going to find out who will be players for them going
1: forward and who are just guys. Yeah, something definitely to watch as we move in past the game against the Atlanta Falcons. And then they wrap up week four in the preseason. But we know that's really for the backups to really uh, make their case for the final spot. The cut down next Tuesday going to 75. So the Dolphins will probably start making cuts on Friday and Saturday after they watch the film, finalize everything before uh, the deadline they appra- that John is Dennis. set. They appra- well, hey, Don Denny that might be a I know that will be very devastating to you. Uh, but we will see. From the- the-
0: any jersey.
1: Yeah, Max Yeah, Thanks, Max. You're still screaming about John Denny. You'll be kicking and screaming. That's Max Simmelich from the defensemiami.com. Max, thanks again for joining us tonight. Yeah, of course. Have a good night, guys.
0: Thanks, All right, Max. Take
1: care. All right, that was Max with good information. As always, I know this microphone was a little bit low, so hopefully you were able to hear him turn your volume up on your speaker. Uh, hopefully, if you're listening to this after Tuesday night, you're not at work and you won't get fired. Uh, Sutton, we're going to jump over to the live thread and answer a bunch of questions, keeping in mind that uh, they play the Falcons, so let's kind of try to tie everything in there. The first question is, um, should the Dolphins look to a familiar face in an effort to fill the void at center? And that is from Dolphins fan life. Finn's Marine responded back that he thinks uh, he has a valid point, but the fans will watch these next two preseason games first to see what happens with Anthony Steen. Um, you saw and you responded, and so we'll be definitely be touching on this subject tonight. And here we are right now. Uh, but you did tell me to pronounce quarterback the right way, otherwise, we won't discuss it. So I'm going to try to pass, pronounce quarterback. Uh, hopefully, I said it the right quarterback. way. Dolphin, quarterback. Sorry, shut up. Quarterback. Still talking. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> I will figure it out. Dolphins for life asks Does Steen jumping past Douglas say more about him? or less about Douglas has been performing, okay? And those are really all the questions about Anthony Steen and Mike Pouncey. So And I know you did some research on Anthony Steen. you got his whole biography. You find out where he lives, uh, what he likes to eat, what his favorite foods are, what size shoes he wears, what color socks he wears, what color underwear he has on. Um, so I know you got tons of information on Anthony Steen. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I know the kid has played pretty solid in preseason. Someone tweeted the other day it was actually kind of funny in quotes, and then remember when uh, something like remember when Mike Pouncey, uh returned to the guard position, and, and then end quote, and then attributed to Anthony Steen in his Hall of Fame speech. Uh, so I don't, I don't think we're looking at that right now, but you know, <laughs> what do you got? What do you got on Steen for us? Right. Uh... Yeah,
2: Anthony Steen, by the way, doesn't wear underwear. He's in a boxer brief, so let's not be presumptuous here, MC Money. But um, I told
1: you guys that he knows everything about Steen all the way down to the boxers.
2: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally mooching off of a NFL.com scouting report, and I'll just kind of read it out loud because uh, Anthony Steen, I had remembered that name, but I couldn't remember, you know, just uh, – even what college he went to and and, and what he did during his college career, just because I I follow pro football exclusively, don't really watch college football that much. Um, So I'll just kind of read this for you. His strengths are, you know, he's a reliable pass protector. He has a 500-pound bench press, and it shows. Jars defenders with his punch. Uh, Efficient run blocker. Works up to the second level quickly and is agile enough to wall off and seal linebackers and safeties. dominated LSU's Anthony Johnson, hardworking and coachable, tough competitor. Um, Going into the weaknesses, I think that's fair to consider that too. Uh, It says, does not look the part, has a deceptive, dumpy-looking frame with a lot of weight concentrated in his trunk, which I think is a euphemism for being a fat ass or something like that. But anyway, going on, can do a better job sustaining at the second level, not a consistent finisher. Catches a lot, tends to let defenders into his body. Have the smallest hands and shortest arms of any offensive lineman at the combine, uh, with a draft projection of round four and
1: round five. But the, holy uh, the shit, bottom i sleep asleep on the scouting report. Damn.
2: Oh, I know. Wasn't that riveting? But anyway, oh, it, it, it gets into exciting. him being a a a, a, scra- a scrappy, tough guy. Um, a coachable player, so that's something that we're not used to drafting. Sometimes we just draft for measurables without um, some of the underlying production being there, and Anthony Steen's produced. Despite his T-Rex arms, he appears to be producing at a at least moderate enough level to be um, considered to be drafted on day three, so I'm kind of excited to see what we have in the sky, and, you know, Dolphin, Dolphin Fan for Life, one of his questions on the live thread was about... You know, should we look into Samson Satele? He is still on the free agent market. And, you know, should we look into him? We've had some success with uh, just kind of picking him up off the street and getting some production there. But I'd rather just, you know, yeah, like no. Max alluded I mean, to Gate, when he Adam was, Gate, was talking to Let's on. see what we
1: have in these young guys. Yeah, Adam Gates said early on uh, that he was going to have a one guy dedicated to being a backup center. It looks like Steen is that guy. He knows all the calls already. It's just a matter of not him going from the twos to the ones. Um, he's played in the position all preseason long. Jameel Douglas is behind him at center. Jameel Douglas played absolutely terrible. and His Giants only picked up about eight or seven snaps against the Cowboys, so his time is definitely fading really fast. I, I think someone had mentioned on the live thread, uh, does it say more about Steen or less about Douglas? I think it says a lot about both, to be honest with you. I think Douglas had his chance to really be that number two center, uh, but he didn't grasp it and didn't, I don't want to say want enough, because sometimes you just don't have that physical ability. You might be playing out of position, but this is the CNFL, you got to step up. You got, you got to make it happen. You got to do everything you can to get better. And it looks like that is simply not the case. Okay. Going on to the next question on the live thread, what are your thoughts on the continued development of Lippitt? And is there anything that stands out that makes you think he could turn into a solid cornerback? That's by agent J 78. I'll take this one side and, and Tony Lippitt is, he was a wide receiver at Michigan State, and I love Michigan State. I love Mark D'Antoni, and, and I would love to see him in the NFL. Uh, Tony Lippett is raw. He's tall. He's long. He's exactly what Vance Joseph and Adam Gates want in their cornerbacks. I think he's going to get there. I really, really do. We've seen some spark from him. We've seen some flashes from him. We've seen some times where he just gets beat really bad and, and roasted pretty bad. Remember, it's a transition for him. This is his second year in a brand-new system. He was under Kevin Coyle last year in a dysfunctional defense and a dysfunctional team. Um, I think he is going to get there. I don't know how good he's going to be this year. I think he's going to be pretty solid. But down the road, I do think he's going to turn into a serviceable cornerback that can have a solid impact for the Dolphins. Alpha 6, has any touching happened yet? Um, I'll be honest with you, Alpha. I'm sitting here by myself at my kitchen table. So, if there is any touching going on, you know what kind of touching is going on. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: That's, so out, that's out before you MC money. That's
1: <laughs> we're going to leave that a He's a touchy-feely kind of guy. Yeah. So, and I have a question for you from Daytona fan from the live thread. Good evening, guys. Uh, yes, we are both guys. Will our defense make a comeback this week against the Falcons? They were just awful against the Cowboys. Hey Daytona Dolphin, make sure you capitalize Cowboys next time. Brian, what do you think? First
2: of all, Tona, what's up, my man? Uh, hey, pleasure to take your question on Sin Side Radio. Um, yeah, you, you got to expect a comeback of some sorts. I mean, you got a lot of veterans on that side of the board. That's not gonna that's not gonna sit well with them. Just like the first preseason game where the offense came out a little shaky, they came back and showed a little bit more in that second preseason game. And I think it's uh, both kind of a testament to how resilient of this, uh, is this team going to be? I mean, every NFL team and every NFL season, it's going to encounter some adversity. And I really want to see how these guys bounce back. Um, I, I think it's definitely possible with hopefully a improvement in tackling and B, being able to stop the run a little bit better because if we can't stop the run and we can't tackle, that's going to be bad news for us. So I'm looking looking yeah. forward to this defense, uh, you know, having a stiff upper lip and just going out there and just trying to kick some ass, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back for sure. Um, again, the starters are playing into the second half, so we'll see. they got to get that defensive line back because it all starts up there with the wide nine set. And, again, someone I mentioned on Twitter this week, uh, it's not a – wide line is not a defense. It's, it's a set in the defense. And it's when you rush the quarterback without any care in the world. And they're, they're not going to run on it every play. They're only going to really use it on obvious passing situations, maybe if they guess here and there. But, remember, it's not a type of defense. It's set in the defense. So just keep that in mind. Um, let's jump over to Twitter now. I got a question from Ryan Greenhaw. Uh, at Ryan Greenhaw, the RG battle, which does – not mean uh, Robert Griffin, it means right guard. Is it more advantageous <laughs> to go with Turner for the running game, or Bushrod for pass protection? Ryan, that's actually one hell of a question. Wow, I'm pretty impressed there's actually someone intelligent in Twitterville. Uh, by the way, I did <laughs> I I did, I did just tweet Kenyon Drake, because he's still subtweeting people. Um, I told him to call him to the show. I don't think he's going to call in, but we're keeping our eye on the caller board, and if he calls in, then we're going to have some great, great stuff going on right now. But Ryan, no, that's a a great question, and if this was high school, if I was a high school teacher, Ryan, I would uh, make this a debate, so I would assign one part of the class to go with Turner, one part of the class to go with Bushrod. And here's the thing, Um, I don't know. I mean, Turner is a mauler in the run game, but he struggles in the pass game, and like you just said, Bushrod is Good in pass protection, but struggles in the run game. Um, I think I would go with Bushrod because here's the thing. I think you can get better in the running game. I think you can design sets to get away from there and, and hide your weakness there. Um, I don't think you can really hide the weakness with Turner there uh, because when it comes down to passing in the game, because you're behind or you're trying to get that first down, Um you you can't really hide anything. I mean, if you have Tannehill roll out, but you can only have him roll out so many times. And if you're having Turner at right guard, you're not really having him roll out to the right. You're having him roll out to the left unless you design a play where you're shifting your offensive line towards the left and have Tannehill roll out to the right. But you can already see how complicated that's getting. So I I'm going to say with Bushrod, I, I like the way he's playing. I like that he's a veteran. I like that he knows what he's doing out there. So and if you want to jump in on this real quick, I usually just do one one person per question, but this is a really good question.
2: Yeah, it is a good question. And I'll actually – we don't disagree very often, MC Money, but if I'm valuing a guard based on whether they're a good run blocker or a good pass blocker, um, I'm going with a run blocker this year. We need to be able to establish the run. We're going to be playing Seattle week one. We can't keep playing games one-dimensionally. And if we cannot find a way to run the game – you know, run the ball against Seattle – We're going to be one-dimensional again. They're going to pin their ears back, and that's going to be bad news for us. We need to find a way to run the ball. So assuming that Billy Turner is the better run blocker and assuming Jermon Bushrod is not as good as a run blocker but better as a pass blocker, I'm going with Billy Turner in that scenario. But I think Bushrod just in and of himself has enough. He's going to have enough talent um, and veteran leadership to be able to to kind of close that gap and the and the run blocking aspect of things, I think he's going to be a comparable run blocker with Billy Turner, but also have the better pass blocking. And and so I'm going with Bushrod, and obviously because I want to keep talking about Bushrod.
1: So I, I thought the whole time you were going to go with Turner there. And I don't know how I was just misunderstanding you, but I am glad you came to my side and realized. Oh no! That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're the right. Turner is
2: a better run blocker, but. I, I think Bushrod will still inevitably win a, win the competition. Hey,
1: son. Hey, yeah. Simon. You ever have Mentos? Mentos Tose? is pretty freaking good. I'm ha- yeah, the the little candies. I'm having one right now. Um. Yes, anyway. I yes I have. You don't remember okay. the commercials? I, I just wanted to know. I was just curious. Yeah, I have because I just I just put one in my mouth. And I don't want you to think start thinking dirty right there. Let me just check this live <laughs> thread again and see if there's any more questions. Um, it doesn't look like it. I think we, we – uh, oh, well, I just want to say a comment from Agent J78. Because it's not a question but a comment about RT17. I think in Dallas he didn't necessarily show how he plays angry, but how he can play if he doesn't get pressure up the middle in the first 1.5 seconds and that's time to actually go through a reads. Agent, we did address that earlier. You are absolutely correct. That is certainly a part of it. Alpha 6, yes, people have called in. We had three callers. Four callers actually too hung up on us because we were getting hit left and right with the, With the, um Maybe you paid a little more attention, Alpha, and weren't doing your own personal things that we really don't want to know about. Uh, you, would, you would know <laughs> a lot more that's going on here. All right, so we answered all the questions on a live thread. We answered all the questions on Twitter. And give me two or three players who you're really looking for on Thursday that you're going to be looking out to stand out.
2: I'm looking at Tony Lippett on the boundary because it it certainly seems um, – I know Xavier Howard's been activated off the PUP, but it's hard to tell when he's going to get back into action. And I don't think we can rely on a rookie with one week of health, essentially, Um, uh, rather one week of practicing after supposedly being healthy. Um, Is he going to be able to uh, start week one? I don't think so. I'm thinking as time ticks on, we're looking more at Tony Lippett. So I want to see, especially if he's faced off against Julio Jones, I want to see that matchup and see if he has any sort of merit in that battle. Um, I'm looking at Kiko Alonzo, and this goes back to the tackling, but I want to see him. He, he put himself in good positions that second game, but didn't always make the tackle. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping he can shore that up, because I'm going to feel a lot better about this defense if we have a legit middle linebacker. And then on the offensive side, going back to Laramie Tunsil, I want him to earn this left guard spot outright, stop all this nonsense in the media about – whether he's ready or not, and all this kind of stuff, let's just get him in there. That's why we drafted him. Let's get him in there and start pushing some people around. What do you think, MC Money?
1: Good stuff. So, and I am going to be looking at Anthony Steen. We just talked in length about Steen and Pouncey and how all that works out. And then I'm also going to be taking a look at John Denny. Um, just kidding about John Denny. <laughs> Thank you for still listening. I have to give a shout-out to your boy right there. <laughs> no, no, but in all seriousness, I'm going to be keeping my eye. I think we see what we have for Laramie Tunsell at left guard. Uh, Kiko Alonso is a little worrisome. I think he will come around once the game start playing. I don't think some certain guys on defense are playing 100% uh, because it is preseason and Kiko's coming off that injury. I think he's still a little hesitant, but I think we do see that spark up once the season comes on. The other guy I'm really looking at is Jermon Bushroth, uh, your favorite dude and my favorite guy. Uh, he's just going to become a fan favorite. I need to buy his jersey this week uh, so I can have it for Thursday, uh, which ain't going to happen because I can't order from China in two days. Uh, but anyways, I just want to <laughs> see how he does after following up from his game against the Cowboys. Um, I had vouched for him to be the starting right guard and Adam Gase. Thankfully listened to this show and took my advice on that. And, Adam, keep him in there, please. Let him see how he does, again, with the ones, and I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Turner does provide some nice stuff. I think he still has a lot to learn as far as technique goes, but ultimately he may get there when it's his turn to finally uh, step in there for real under a new new coaching staff where he's actually learning something because we all know him. And he's MC, still in the Money, MC Money,
2: sorry to interrupt, but you know Bushrod You're not is sorry. just great at – You're not sorry. No, I'm not actually. So you know Bushrod is great at opening up holes.
1: Oh, and Jesus
2: Christ. we so <laughs> oh my God. We, we, we need we need him in there immediately. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> he is very good at opening <laughs> both, right? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, right. Left so and right. <laughs> those, <so laughs> those are my two guys. Something said his two guys. Listen, the hard knocks is on again tonight at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Standard time. I hate Jeff Fisher. I can't see him. I'm, I'm so glad. He's not the Dolphins coach. He is as mediocre as you can possibly get. And that is the same exact thing my wife says to me uh, every time, you know, you know, we get that, get, get something going on there. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that conversation for another time. Uh, enjoy the game on Thursday against the Dolphins, Week three, that's about as real as it can get. The Dolphins are game planning for this. They didn't game plan against the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. They didn't game plan against the Giants. They are game planning for the Falcons game. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that all flows together and how it all works and how the team responds. And then, of course, week four, no one really plays except the backups trying to fight for a roster spot. And then guess what, boys and girls? It is time for football. And us all the fans Woo! will be excited for the first three weeks, and they'll be going into the deep depression when they start the season off 0-3. Am I right? MC Money, how many jars of Kool-Aid
2: do you have? Prepare for the Doesn't next couple of weeks right before this
1: regular <laughs> season starts. I, I need to refill it up for sure. And I was going to go out to the store and buy some more, but Hard Knock starts in eight minutes. So I'm really trying to weigh this. I wish they delivered, but they don't. So you know, I'm just going to have to wait there for a little bit. But, anyways, that's it for Fit Insider Radio. I'm Matt Kanata. I'm joined by Sutton. We are tagged team Dynamite Duo. And we just brought you a show full of all sorts of great ideas, great analysis. We talked about the Cowboys game. We talked about Ryan Chandler. We talked about Mike Pouncey. We talked about Jordan Cameron. We talked about Larry German Jermon Bushrod. We answered your questions on Finnsider Radio. We answered your questions on Twitter, and we answered those who called us. We were joined by Max Tillich on the defense in Miami. Great freaking show, Sutton. Uh, we'll be back at it again next Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, Standard Time. We'll break down Thursday's game. Cuts will be out by then. But until then, interact on thefinsiders.com, interact with us on Twitter, enjoy Hard Knocks, enjoy Thursday's game, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night, everybody.
0: Also, listen to podcasts, check it
1: out.
2: Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from zero to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance. Pure design. Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.